minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access podcast presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. You can learn more at boldlynova.com. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access podcast. If you're watching live at home, I hope you're enjoying this on a rather dreary day. You can sit inside and watch this podcast for a little bit. As you can see, I'm all alone here again. Bobby keeps ditching me, but he is at home. He's covering in for Mark Zuckerman again. Again tonight so you can follow along with all of his coverage and I'm gonna bring in Bobby now Bobby today is a special day in Nationals history um, if you remember 19 and 31 which marked the entire World Series run the day the Nationals turned their series or their season around yeah I want to make it clear I'm not ditching you it's just hard for me to get up to the studio He's ditching uh, this me, time guys. of the day He's ditching me. oh come on <laughs> ah, come on <laughs> Uh, before I head over to Nationals Park to yeah cover for Mark. Mark's taking the night off, so I'm going to get tonight. Special night tonight, Josiah Gray and Caber Ruiz facing the Dodgers for the first time, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, 2019, May 24th, that was the day the Nationals turned around their season. They were 19-31, and 31, fresh off a four-game sweep in New York at the hands of the Mets. Everyone was kind of panicking. People were thinking that Davey Martinez would be fired on the way home from New York. And then they have a dramatic, I think, 12-10 to 10 win over the Marlins at Nationals Park to kick off a homestand. And we know how the season went on from there. They go on to win the World Series uh, as a wild card team, first team to win, what was it, four, uh, three or four elimination games on the road in a postseason. Steven Strasburg had a fantastic season, uh, out postseason. Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, who we saw last night return with the Dodgers, Daniel Hudson, who closed out the wild card game, the NLCS and the World Series. Uh, he also returned last night with the Dodgers. So, yeah, special time of year for Nationals fans today as they uh, celebrate, not celebrate, but, you know, remember the 1931 start that kicked off the World Series one. I'll have more about this uh, special week with Bob Carpenter coming later this week on Mass and All Access. Well, there you go. Make sure everybody looks out for that. And you mentioned it right there, Trey Turner and Daniel Hudson, both back at Nationals Park, both part of that World Series team. And they had a little bit of a reunion at Nats Park last night. Davey Martinez says, of course, it's good to see them. And the media met with Trey Turner before the game. And, you know, Trey said he, it was nothing to get emotional about it. He wasn't emotional about being back there, but he did reminisce um, on that team, how electric the locker room was that year. And, and some of his favorite memories from that World Series team. Yeah, that team obviously was very special. And, um, you know, I think what actually stuck out to me wasn't what Trey said. It's what Daniel Hudson said to the media being like, you know, that team kind of saved my career in the sense that I wasn't in a, he said, he quote, I, I've told people I'm not in, I was not in a good place that season when I arrived here in DC, but that team, we had so much fun together. We obviously had a lot of success kind of rejuvenated my love for baseball and love for the game and kept me in the game. I, he was considering maybe even stepping away from baseball at the time after that season. Of course, like I mentioned, he goes on uh, clinches at the world series in a game seven in Houston, the, the dramatic 
glove throw, uh, the hug with Jan Gomes. So I, it's that team was just so unbelievably special. It's rare you see that. You know, look at the Dodgers. That one when they won in twenty twenty, they were just the best team, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that occasionally, but the Nationals, when you're a wild card team that barely snuck in, that you just got hot at the right time. We knew that team had the talent built around starting pitching. One of the best lineups. Once they all started clicking from top to bottom, uh, it was just a kind of special cohesive unit. Uh, that David Martinez had in 2019. And, you know, we'll always remember them as World Series champions. Yeah, and then on the other side of that reunion, Caber Ruiz is facing his former team. And, of course, he got that bump up the lineup, now hitting second for the Nationals. And Josiah Gray will also face his his former organization. Yeah, do, it, do you look back on it and, and think that it's weird now? I mean, like, tonight it might be weird, right? Because we'll see Josiah and Caber play against the Dodgers for the first time. Uh, whereas last night we of course saw Trey play against the nationals for the first time, but now we're, you know, we're three years removed from the world series. We're a handful of months removed from last year's trade deadline. We've already had reunions with Max Scherzer, Anthony Rendon, Dusty Baker, um, of course, Bryce Harper for, for a couple of years now. So it's almost like, you know, it's, are we getting past this at this point? It's like this team is not that team. This team isn't barely the team that it was a year ago at this point. So uh, there's so many new faces. I think Trey even mentioned this yesterday. It's like, I don't recognize more the majority of the guys over there. It's not the team that I played with. You know, you have Juan, you have Victor, um, but Strasburg isn't here right now. We'll touch on him in a bit. Joe Ross is in here right now. I'll touch on him in a bit. Uh, it's, it's basically Patrick Corbin leading the pitching staff right now. Sean Doolittle is still hurt. So it's just a completely different ball club right now. So I, I, it's hard, I guess. I bet it would be different if for Trey and for Daniel Hudson to look across the field and see a lot of their former teammates. But the fact of the matter is they don't see a lot of those guys. And it's probably dampering their emotions when they can return or, or face the Nationals because it's not the same team. Right, and it almost probably makes it a little bit easier you know you're not you know looking at all your your former teammates there I mean as long as I think Davey Martinez is there um and he has these reunions across the league with these former players um it'll still be a reunion but when all of your teammates aren't there the band's all broken up it's not really the same and Trey did mention that and maybe that's why he kind of played down his emotions on coming back to Nationals Park and also, tonight, we're going to see another familiar face um, from that World Series team in Ryan Zimmerman. He is going to be on the broadcast tonight, um, and I know I've already seen a ton of excited fans um, online commenting about Ryan Zimmerman joining the broadcast. Yeah, I guess this leak sort of last week, um, some fans picking up on the news, but the Nationals announcing it yesterday, making it official. So Ryan will join Bob, Kevin, and Dan on the pregame show and for the game broadcast tonight on Mass in 2, 6.30 p.m., uh, 7.05 scheduled first pitch. It looks like the weather is going to clear up by then, so we should have baseball tonight on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, this was kind of been rumored forever since he retired. Will he be the one to, you know, take place of the, of the color commentator guy in the booth alongside Bob? Of course, now it's Kevin Franson. Um, but, you know, I'm wondering now if, you know, we'll see Ryan throughout the course of the season make a couple of appearances on the broadcast. It's going to be very exciting. Nationals fans are obviously going to love it. You know, and we've talked about this before, Amy, and when we're talking about, you know, his retirement and Jersey, upcoming Jersey retirement. But Ryan's quiet, but a funny guy. And so I think that him, Bob and Kevin, and obviously whenever Dan chimes in as well from the sideline, 
I think they're going to have a fun time on this broadcast, regardless of the game. We're going to be a lot of reminiscing. Um, there's going to be a lot of good insight from him and Kevin. So it's going to be a fun broadcast. I don't see this being a three-man booth moving forward, but I bet you we see Ryan jump in every now and then just to offer his thoughts and, and you know, to entertain the Nats fans. Look, fact of the matter is it's a tough season, right? You know, they're not playing well. They have one of the worst records in the league. They got blown out last night, but we can still find ways to celebrate this team, have fun with it. Um, and Ryan Zimmerman joining the broadcast booth is one of them. Yeah, I mean, that's a party right there. That's a big, big uh, broadcast crew. I'm excited to see. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Ryan's going to kill it and we'll hear him back in the broadcast booth um, in the future. But I'm excited for that. I think that'll be an interesting dynamic. And they certainly have a lot to reminisce on, especially on the anniversary of 19 and 31. And there's some other stuff going on down in the minor leagues uh, today. It's a very busy day. And that is Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross both making rehab starts um, today. Strasburg will make his start for low A Fredericks for single A Fredericksburg, excuse me, and Ross will make his start for double A Harrisburg. They're both scheduled for about four innings and 60 pitches. Um, I think they'll both make around three to four-ish rehab starts uh, before we might see them up at the big leagues, but they were at Nationals Park yesterday getting a workout in. Davey mentioned how good it was to see them at the ballpark, um, you know, throwing a baseball, and it seems like things are really really starting to move here so exciting stuff um you know looking forward for steven strasberg and joe ross yeah major step for both of them we've talked about it i think feel like every week now since they we saw them kind of ramping up and facing live hitters in west palm beach about a month ago um big step i mean they're facing live hitters actual minor leaguers and of course like we mentioned last week once you start that minor league assignment you know you're only allowed to do it for a certain amount of days so the thought is that once they are ready they will be up and like you said, three to four starts, hopefully around 60 pitches starting tonight. Um, if you're in the area and, and aren't going to the Nationals game tonight, head out to Fredericksburg. Uh, watch uh, the Steven Strasburg face uh, the Salem Red Sox at Virginia Credit Union Stadium. Um, and then, yeah, Joe Ross will be up in Harrisburg facing double A batters. I, it, it's, it's a good sign. It's a good step forward. Um, and then that also allows us to make an early June-ish target date for them to join the Nationals rotation. We'll obviously have a lot to talk about once that gets closer and we talk about who might have to be bumped from the rotation once they decide to decide to join it. Um, but yeah, good first step. Hopefully the weather holds up for both of them so they can actually get their starts in, get their innings in um, and, and kind of relax and then build toward the next one. You know, in five days from now, have another one. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they where and when they move up through the minor league ranks before uh, facing, um, you know, major league hitters with the Nationals. Right, exactly. So kind of looking at an early to mid-June um, reunion there for those guys with, with the big league club. But progress nonetheless, and like we talked about last week, this rotation is going to look completely different with Joe Ross and Steven Strasburg in it. I think a little bit more like we want and like we expected here in 2022. And then kind of on the opposite end of the injury spectrum is Carter Keboom now. We found out last week that he is having Tommy John surgery. Obviously, the recovery time for Tommy John for a position player is shorter than it is for a pitcher so that's the good news for that um, but you know kind of sorry to hear that for Carter Keboom especially at this point we know he's been know he's been injured but to just now be getting Tommy John um, is kind of a little bit disappointing and I'm sure disappointing for him and this organization yeah absolutely and you know I, I think 
once we got a couple weeks into the season and the lot, the latest update on Carter was that he hadn't begun throwing the ball. That was kind of concerning. So I think everyone started thinking, okay, Tommy John's probably at least on the table. Um, yeah. So it's unfortunate that he's going to miss this full season. Um, but like you said, position players recover a little bit faster. Uh, it sounds like Davey and Mike Rizzo both expect him to be ready by spring training next year, which is a good sign for him. Unfortunate news for him uh, because the nationals, you know, that's another guy right now that could be, you know, making a case for his future with this club. You know, the Nationals are struggling up at the major league level. He's a young guy who was a first round draft pick, a lot of potential, a lot, a lot of pressure on him uh, to perform. He hasn't lived up to it yet, but this was a good opportunity this year into the first year of a rebuild to kind of take a step forward and show that he can be one of those guys and a piece for the future moving forward. He does not have that right now, but you know, he, hopefully rehab goes fine for him and he, um, he'll be ready to go by uh, mid-February next year. Yep, exactly. Wishing well wishes and a speedy recovery there for Carter Keyboom. Um, and I guess our last bit of news that we also found out last week is that 2022 is actually the last guaranteed year of Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez's contract in 2023. The team holds an option for those both. So what are you hearing about that, Bobby? What's the latest? Yeah, the news came down from uh, Jesse Doherty and Chelsea Janes over the Washington Post last week. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because it's not news to these guys, right? This this was always the case when they signed their new contracts back in late 2020. Uh, so they 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 were obviously aware of their contract situation, but everyone thought that the three years were guaranteed, and turns out it's just the first two years with club options for next year. Um, of course, the ownership situation has a lot to do with this and moving forward uh some news coming out this morning from bob nightingale of the usa today saying that uh, the nationals are expected to pick up mike rizzo uh, option for next year uh you know he of course has been the general manager since 2009 has done this before this rebuild before uh but they have until the all-star break this is according to bob nightingale uh, the all-star break to pick up davy martinez is around four million dollar option for next year now the ownership situation is big. We saw news yesterday coming again from the Washington Post saying that the, the learners are now opening up their finances book to proposed uh, buyers for the team. So that's a, a major step moving forward in terms of them selling the team. If they bring on new owners, partial owners, or sell the team completely, the new owner is going to take a hard look at both Rizzo and Davey Martinez to decide whether or not to move forward with them. Um, that's obviously very much up in the air, but, uh, you know, the report being that Rizzo is going to stay on at least for now with Martinez moving forward, still question mark. You know, I, I think it's hard to say, you know, how much both of these guys mean to this team right now in year one of a rebuild, right? I mean, the, look at this roster constructed. It's not very fair to judge them, especially Rizzo, what he's doing this year, because he, they decided to undertake this project late last year. They're not even a full calendar year into it yet. It's hard to judge them right away. David Martinez maybe a little more, you know, can be a little more judged because outside of 2019, he does not have a great record. I think he actually has a losing record outside of 2019 uh, and as a manager of the Nationals. So that might go against him too. But we know how much everyone in that clubhouse loves him, respects him, wants to play for him. So maybe if you get him a young, restocked 
roster in a couple of seasons, he can turn this thing around. It's going to depend on the new owner or if the learners maintain a majority stake in the team. That's obviously all questions for the future. But yeah, definitely interesting notes coming out on Rizzo and Martinez from last week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, likely the team probably won't be sold before they have to make a decision on Davey Martinez's contract and Mike Rizzo's contract. So that kind of throws a ripple into things where they are in the selling of the team at that point, um, whether they completely sell it or only sell a portion of it um, will be will be interesting to see. And then the fact that they're kind of launching this rebuild right now, uh, that throws another ripple into things. Is it fair? You know, they both of these guys won a World Series for this organization in 2019. Now the rebuilding, is it fair to judge them on their performance this year, um, given the nature of their roster? Or is that fair? Because just like you said, Davey Martinez, a a losing record as a manager here, can you just take that one year and and sell his contract for that? You know, So that'll be interesting to see. And then at the end of the day, that option is just for 2023. So you know, moving forward, then you have new owners um, after the next year. And then what they they do after that will be really interesting to see. But anytime a team goes into a rebuild, what they do with their general manager and what they do with their manager is always kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I will say, I think it's, you know, obviously not making this decision. My personal thought and opinion on this is that you're in you're coming up on a year into a rebuild it is going to set you back even farther if you start fresh with a new general manager and manager next year in two years, whatever it is. We've seen teams do this, right? Look up I-95. The Baltimore Orioles decided to sell off in 2018, and they were under new uh, the new GM and, and Dan Duquette, and then they decided to fire him and, and Buck Showalter and bring in Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias to run that thing. That probably set them back, if not a full year, at least a couple of months in terms of competition. Now they're competing now. They're way better now with a lot of young talent, which is good to see for them. But I'm saying, like, if you Mm -hmm. decide to undertake a rebuild a year, less than a year ago, wiping away the guys that you put that were already in place to take under undertake this project is going to set you back even farther. So you got to kind of match that lineup with Juan Soto's free agency. If you're trying to be competitive again by the time Juan Soto becomes a free agent, you might not want to take that time to take even two more steps back by starting over with a GM and a new general manager or a manager. Yeah, exactly. And then you add on the fact that these are two guys that have proven themselves you know it's not like there's they're part of this this rebuild and you know you you want to keep that consistent but then you throw in the fact that they kind of know the formula at this point especially Mike Rizzo I mean since he's been the general manager starting in 2009 this has been a winning team this has been a winning organization so they kind of know the formula they know what's going on here they're comfortable with the organization so you kind of have both sides of that and I'm kind of with you there starting new right now at this point and a rebuild might not you know be the best idea and Davey Martinez is trying everything he can do to get this team to win right now and most recently that has been switching up the lineup a little bit Uh, this week he moved Juan Soto down into the three spot moved Caber Ruiz up into that two hole um, and then yesterday he decided to lead off Lane Thomas yeah it's interesting I think fans were kind of seeing this come along uh, obviously Caber Ruiz has played really well especially over the last week Lane Thomas had an outstanding weekend in Milwaukee place he of course he's familiar with from his time with the Cardinals and remember last year 
his that series in Milwaukee was kind of his coming out party with the Nationals. He had a great season, made a couple of great defensive plays, a couple of extra base hits. Uh, so he's kind of earned, and then he then finished the season as their leadoff hitter. He had an OPS of 852 as their leadoff hitter in 39 games last year. So that's not something un, that's not totally out of the ordinary for him. So if you look at last night's lineup, it was Lane Thomas in center, Caber Ruiz catching, Juan Soto in right, Nelson Cruz, thankfully okay after a sprained right ankle at back in the DH slot, Josh Bell all the way down batting fifth, Yadiel Hernandez, Michael Franco, Cesar now batting. Um, eighth and Alcides Escobar, who has been sharing time with D Strange Gordon at shortstop, batting ninth. Um, yeah, I, I, you had to do something, right? I mean, I we saw last week in, in against uh, Miami, you know, there was a stretch where I think it was, I wrote it down on massinsports.com, it was like seven of their last nine losses or something. They had scored two or less runs. I mean, obviously, scoring two or less runs is going to lead to a lot of losses. But it wasn't like they were losing 5-4, 6-5, whatever it was. They weren't even scoring. So, like, you're not even giving yourself a chance to win when you're scoring that few runs. And then their wins, they would score more than two runs. So it was kind of a weird situation for them or a stretch for them where when they scored three or more, they would win. Two or less, it was a loss. So, And they were doing that way too often, scoring two or, two or fewer runs. So they needed to do something to switch it up. Lane Thomas, we saw, can be a table setter um, at the top of the lineup. He, he played – really well last year in that spot. He's only done it, I think, once before last night this season. Uh, and Davey's just going to try to see him there again. Caber Ruiz moving up to the two-hole, Amy, I think was very interesting. We saw how good his bat-to-ball skills are, especially in Miami. He just has such a great eye for the ball. He is the, the reason why the Nationals gave up Max Scherzer and Trey Turner last year, along with Josiah Gray. Uh, just unbelievable talent for him at the catcher spot. He catches the ball really well too, but offensively being able to put the ball in play has been uh, a bonus for KB Ruiz. He has the third highest fan graphs war amongst catchers in the majors, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so getting him more at bats and maybe even, I don't, it's not protection because he's ahead of Juan Soto, but you know, putting someone on base for Juan Soto mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably helping out a lot. And that's maybe Davey Martinez's mindset with his lineup shakeup. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and just like you said, in the games that they're winning, they're scoring a lot of runs. And in the games that they're losing, it's not even close. They're not scoring hardly any runs, if they score any runs at all. And that's kind of why the bullpen hasn't been a huge factor as of late, because, you know, they're not really even end games. And yeah, like you mentioned, I I like moving Caber Ruiz up to that spot. He has earned it. His bad is coming along I think just as the Nationals had hoped and then you get somebody on or you give the Nationals a better chance of getting somebody on there for Juan Soto and you saw that on Sunday I mean Juan only went one for five but his two RBI single you know did drive in those two runs and those were his only his third and fourth RBIs of the season that he drove in runs that weren't himself so guys aren't getting on base for Juan Soto and they're gonna have to change that if they think that Juan Soto is his best bat and you know other than his slump of course he of course he is and I give props to Davey Martinez because not only is he breaking what has become the norm of putting your best bat there in the two hole and that's why he hit Juan Soto second. But, you know, not being afraid to shake things up because you're not getting the production that you want. And I know 
Juan Soto. It, it seems like the thing now is, you know, they're, they're catering to their best players, and that, not just with the Nationals, but with teams across baseball. And I like that he's not afraid. You know, at the beginning of the season, Juan Soto didn't want to hit in that two spot. And he said, no, this, this is going to be good for you. This is going to be good for the team. And now he said, you know, he had the same conversation with him, you know, moving him down in the lineup. And he's not afraid to shake things up, shake up the norm. And, you know, not afraid. I don't think he's hurting Juan Soto's feelings. But, you know, not just catering to him, but catering to what's best for the team. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Bell start off so hot to the season has really cooled off. Had a rough week last week in Miami. Actually, the whole road trip, he, he really struggled. So his production value has gone down so much. Now he's down batting a fifth in this lineup when he was up as high as three just like a week or two ago. So I think it's just you trying something different. Like we said, I mean, there, there's no harm in doing that right now. You, you've got a losing record. What's the harm in trying to change something? Worst case scenario, it's the same. And you can just go back and doing what you're doing. Best case scenario, you get some different results. And we saw that on Sunday, Milwaukee. Uh, of course, the first game against the Dodgers didn't go their way, but I would expect Dave Martinez to kind of keep a similar lineup for these next couple of games, especially tomorrow against another left-hander from the Dodgers um, with uh, Lane Thomas and Kaber batting up 1-2 in front of Juan Soto. You hope Nelson Cruz starts to get a swing back. That ankle isn't bothering him too much. Uh, and, and we talked about last week, Amy, how great Yadiel Hernandez is and the fact that he is now your sixth hitter. I mean, if Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz can provide some kind of protection from Juan Soto and Caber Ruiz and Lane Thomas get on base for him. That gives Juan Soto more pitches to see at the plate can put the ball in play more or draw his walks. He leads the majors in walks. Look at all that production ahead of arguably one of your most productive hitters over the past month and Yadiel Hernandez. So that top six of the lineup can be very productive if everything starts to click. So again, there's no real reason not to try something different. It wasn't working before for whatever reason. Maybe some guys just need a different routine, different view of the plate, the pitcher, whatever it is, uh, instead of just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again um, and getting the same results, scoring two runs or less. I mean, K. Bear Ruiz over his last week or so, six games is hitting 333. Uh, with an with an on base percentage over 460 and an OPS of 938, so that's you want that as your number two hitter right there, and I think that's a good way to jumpstart this lineup if. Lane Thomas can also get on base in front of him. Right, exactly. And you saw it last night. It was Cesar Hernandez who broke up the no-hitter. So, you know, maybe moving him down the lineup is not the end of the world if those guys at the bottom of the lineup can hit. And then I think Alcides Escobar hit after him. They didn't end up driving in any runs there. But if those guys are setting the table and then you wrap around your lineup and you have Lane Thomas at, at the top who's starting to get hot, you know, maybe that's that's another way to score runs. And, you know, speaking of Lane Thomas, he you saw him in that leadoff spot. You think the last 39 games of last season, he finished with an 852 OPS. So he is comfortable in that position and he just hasn't had the same role, hasn't had, you know, the same production that he did at the end of that last year. But I like that Davey Martinez, you know, saw that he got hot this weekend. He went five for 12 and hit for the cycle this week. And he saw that he was his bat was heating up and then he just to play the matchup and that they were facing a lefty and Tyler Anderson and that kind of you know put put Lane Thomas in a good position to lead off so that I like Davey Martinez is doing that too he said that you know he's going to get his spots it's kind of hard when Yadiel Hernandez is hitting as well as he is but he's going to play the matchups and this weekend he was able to play every day so maybe if he can continue to hit Davey Martinez is going to find a way to get him every day and then maybe that consistency uh, will be good for Lane Thomas and his bat. 
Yeah, and you also, if you get him on base, remember, Elaine Thomas is one of the fastest prospects the Nationals have. No longer a prospect, but you know what I mean. I mean, we forget about Lane speed occasionally. When he came over from the Cardinals, he was one of their best defenders and base runners in their system. Um, so he has speed. So if he gets on base, it's not just he's getting on base for K-Bear or Juan. He's getting on base and then also a threat. I mean, that's why you you get that triple in the center in Milwaukee, and they sent him home. I mean, it, he got thrown out. But he has the speed to make that play and to make that a, an in, a possible inside-the-park home run. A couple of extra base hits from the leadoff spot last year as well. So uh, it's just a matter of him getting in that rhythm. Like I said, he only has, I think, one other game in the leadoff spot this year. Let's give him a handful. Let's give him a week or so and see what he can do. Maybe just seeing more pitches, that's a good way to also... The other thing that Dave Martinez mentioned, you brought up Cesar Hernandez, is that yeah, Cesar Hernandez is a good leadoff hitter, but he swings the bat a lot. So it's not like he's working a lot of counts, deep counts, and working pitchers uh, deep into at bats uh, from the leadoff spot. And that's not, I'm not saying that's like an entire detriment to Cesar or that's why everyone in the lineup behind him isn't having, having success. It's just you typically you want your leadoff hitter to see a lot of pitches, work deep counts, get at bats. Cesar is a swinger, and he went up there and swing. And he got on base at a decent clip for a leadoff hitter, drew a handful of walks. But it's not like he's making the pitcher work before he gets to Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz, Yadiel Hernandez. Maybe Elaine Thomas can do that a little bit better. You move Cesar down the lineup, and he can start swinging the bat at at the clip that he likes to at a faster pace, uh, and that's maybe more suited for him. And then, you know, if not, he still has that leadoff hitter mojo, whatever you want to call it, later in the lineup, helping out Alcides Escobar, Victor Robles with the days that he plays, D-Strange Gordon on the days that he plays. So it, it, it's it's there's different, a bunch of different possibilities of this lineup shakeup. I, I, I kind of like it for now, and I, I would like for them to stick with it for at least a week or so, give Lane a chance at the leadoff spot, see if Cesar can get production down in the 7-8 hole um, and, and see where they go with it. Right, exactly. And, you know, you mentioned Cesar Hernandez, you know, not being as selective with his pitches, kind of a free swinger. What you're seeing out of Caber Ruiz, and now that he's up in that in that two-hole, is he's drawing his walks a lot more. He's being a lot more selective with his pitches um, and drawing a lot more walks. So, obviously, he's getting on base a lot more. So, you have to like that, too, when you're moving him up the lineup. And, yeah, just like you said, you know, I'd like them to stick with it and, and kind of see because you saw results on Sunday. Obviously, you didn't see results yesterday and it's so hard to tell you know they change the lineup for one game or two games it's not like it's just going to change like that so I'd like to see you know over the course of a week over the course of two series what they can get out of the lineup in this position and then as far as the Nelson Cruz and Josh Bell I think in those two spots we've seen them flip-flop a million times so far this season I think Davey Martinez is probably just gonna you know play you know whatever the hot hand is you know kind of going into series and and whoever has the hot bat at the moment what we don't want to see though Amy and and Davey has mentioned this a handful of times is them starting to press we saw Mm -hmm. some frustration from Juan Soto last week over the weekend we saw some frustration from Josh Bell even Nelson Cruz I mean he got hurt so that that's obviously frustrating in and of itself but you know, they have to take it for what it is. I, I have faith, and I think that they do too, that this is not going to be the norm for the season. Every team goes through ups and downs for a long season. I think they'll have uh, time to figure it out and get comfortable, maybe hit a stride in June. This we, we I feel like we were having kind of the same conversation this time last year, and then Davey moved Kyle Schwarber to the leadoff spot, and everything took off. So I'm not saying Lane Thomas is Kyle Schwarber, but <laughs> – 
same situation where you change up the lineup, something new happens, and maybe you hit your stride. But, you know, you have, they have to take what the season for what it is, right? I know they want to compete. They want to go 1-0 every day, but they're 14-29, and 29, last place in the division. You know, it, this is not going to be a competitive team. So I, I just hope they don't get too, too frustrated with themselves. They obviously have high standards for themselves. You know, Nelson Cruz is, is a high-productive hitter. Uh, Josh Bell had a great start to the season. Juan Soto was a MVP runner-up and former batting title champion. So, yeah, I, they want to produce for the team. But if they put too much pressure on themselves, too, that's when the frustration starts to boil and they don't really produce as high as highly as they would like. And then that kind of affects everybody else in the lineup. So, like like we said, give it a week or so. Let everyone kind of settle into their new roles, their new positions in the lineup. And see how it plays, um, and and try to loosen up at the plate. And Davey has sense that they're getting a little putting too much pressure on themselves. They're getting a little too tense up there. They have to relax, see their pitches, make good contact, and then good things will happen. Yeah, and you know everybody's going to go through a slump at some point, whether it is Juan Soto or Nelson Cruz or Josh Bell. It just it has to be the rest of the lineup, you know, to pick you up. And we talked about it. There's some surprising storylines, and in years like this, when you're going through a rebuild and you're not necessarily competitive, there might be some surprises and who is there to pick you up. And it might be the development of Caber Ruiz's bat, or it might be Yadiel Hernandez who's leading the team right now um so sometimes those guys will surprise you but there has to be other guys in the lineup to pick you up because they're all going to go through slumps at some point yeah and we saw too like you know with everyone else slumping i really don't think juan soto has a chance to catch fire because if everyone else behind him and in front of him is struggling he's not going to see a single pitch to hit we saw that last week in miami it's all over the weekend and we've seen his entire career He's not going to get a hit to pitch if no one else is producing around him because they're just going to be like, everyone else right now is not hitting. We're not letting the best hitter on the planet beat us. Pitch around him. Get him on base. We don't care because no one else is driving him in. So if that changes, Juan Soto starts uh, seeing balls over the plate, putting him in play, sending him out of the park, and still taking his walk. So it puts a lot of pressure on the opposing pitcher. If he does, if he's not able to work around Juan Soto, if he has to go through him and then therefore everybody else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to take away the other team's ability to pitch around Juan Soto. And a big part of that might be some of these lineup changes. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Davey Martinez just kind of has to see how it goes, but it can't hurt to make changes, right? (laughs) Yeah, but like don't make changes just for the sake of making changes and then go back to it. Like I said, give it some time. You can't, it's a long season. It's a hard game. You're not going to see actual fruits of your labor production until you give it a couple of times through. Like like I said, Lane only batted leadoff once before yesterday or this, this past couple of days. So that's not a fair, you know, sample size for him to try to kind of prove what he can do. Give it some time. This is a good home standard. Give it a shot um, and see what happens. Don't just do it just to do it, do it to see if it actually gave it time and it can work uh, in the long run. And then, you know, hopefully it does because what they were doing before wasn't working at the time. Got to change it up. It's, it's a season and a game of adjustments. You have to make adjustments in game over the course of games, over the course of an entire season. So, uh, I think that they, I, I'm backing it right now. And it, it makes it interesting to watch, right, too, because now you want to see if, like, all right, can this pay off? Can can this actually work against tough pitching, too? We've got the Dodgers this week. So it, you hopefully it does. Uh, it's just something new to watch, you know, because otherwise you're kind of expecting the same thing over and over and over again. 
uh, with the same lineup every day. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you have to give these guys time to get comfortable, you know, hitting in the right. new spots. Give time for Juan Soto to adjust hitting in the three hole. Give time yeah. for Caber Ruiz to, to adjust hitting so far up the lineup. And, of course, Lane Thomas leading off. So that's a big part of it, too. Let them make their adjustments, figure out what they have to do, and then go from there. Yeah, exactly. So anything else before we get out of here, Bobby? Um, well, hopefully the rain holds out this week. Um, uh, hopefully the rain holds out over the weekend, Memorial Day weekend too. Uh, Josiah Gray, Caber Ruiz facing the net, uh, the Dodgers for the first time Tuesday night, Ryan Zimmerman on the broadcast. I'll be at the ballpark covering for Mark. Um, I'll have a conversation with Mark coming on mass and all access later this week, as well as Bob Carpenter. I know you're going to go catch up with some blue rocks today. Wilmington. Mm -hmm. uh, so some a lot of coverage coming up this week on Mass and All Access and, uh, and of course, the podcast every single week. All right. Thanks for hopping on, Bobby, and have fun tonight. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, enjoy Wilmington. So make sure you follow along with Bobby's coverage. He is filling in for Mark Zuckerman tonight. He'll be at the ballpark. That's Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. And, of course, you can follow along with the Mass and All Access podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Um, the Mass and All Access podcast is presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. You can learn more at boldlynova.com. Exciting day today. Ryan Zimmerman will be in the broadcast booth. Make sure you tune in and listen to that on Mass and 2 starting at 6.30 tonight. It's the anniversary of 19 and 31. What more could you want? Get out to the ballpark or tune in so you can listen to Ryan Zimmerman. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mass and All Access podcast, and we'll be back here next week. 